Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's the crossover Sports Illustrated's NBA show. Breaking down the latest news, rumors, and everything in between. Here's your host, Chris Mannix and Rohan Lodkredi. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. I'm Chris Maddox, joined this week by Rohan Nagrini for a mini-podcast. We're uh, both powering down a little bit the month of August, vacation, whatnot, getting ready for training camps to open in September. But we did have some news in the NBA. Some, <laughs> I don't know what to call this news. Some some powerful words, some powerful <laughs> a powerful statement from one James Harden, who was over on a uh, promotional tour over in China when he said this. Uh, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. So, Rowan, putting on a shelf for a minute, the... Uh, Interesting location of James Harden's <laughs> comments, which uh, took place in China. Playing to his crowd. Playing to yeah, his crowd. Playing to the crowd. China, of course, where Daryl Morey is not the most popular figure because of some uh, an earlier tweet years ago now about uh, Hong Kong. Uh, putting that aside for a moment, uh, what did you make of James Harden choosing mid-August on a promotional tour in China to reveal... Uh, at least a portion of why he no longer wants to play in Philadelphia. It's pretty incredible. You know, Chris, you've been doing this longer than I have. Every time I think we've kind of seen everything when it comes to trade requests, like uh, we were talking earlier, like what Damian Lillard doing this summer, pretty aggressive, his agent at least kind of publicly telling 
telling the Miami Herald, I believe, like, Dame really only wants to go to Miami. That was taking on a life of its own. This is really shocking to me on so many levels, only because I think Daryl Morey is probably the biggest James Harden fan, or at least seemed to be the biggest James Harden fan left in the NBA. He's kind of been James's biggest champion over the years. That to see those two have their relationship end up here is pretty shocking to me. Um, it's just it's it just feels like now the natural evolution of where these trade requests have gone. Uh, players are think pu- just pushing the envelope, seeing what they can do. I know now we're obviously getting these reports. Harden plans to make it uncomfortable. He doesn't want to show up. You know, people posting cl- excerpts of the CBA. I don't think he's literally not going to show up and just forfeit a year of eligibility, so to speak. But I think he's making it pretty clear to Philly, as we've discussed on this podcast, you know, was he going to kind of just deal with the contract stuff and play and and try to play his way out of Philly, hope that he can endear himself to teams that way? That doesn't seem to be the case. It seems he's going to try to make this as uncomfortable and and painful as Philly as possible. So James Harden calls Daryl Morey a liar. And that can only mean one of two things. One... It's that Daryl Morey did not follow through on a under-the-table agreement to give James Harden a big deal after James Harden took a cut rate last summer for the 76. If you remember, James Harden you know, it took like $10, $12 million less than what he could have made uh, to return to Philadelphia, uh, which gave the 76ers room to sign some of the guys they did, most notably P.J. Tucker. So... Uh, It could mean that there was a deal in place or an agreement in place to make things right for James Harden this offseason. And if that's the case, that's a big-time problem for Philadelphia because the NBA does not look kindly on those types of under-the-table agreements. One of the most famous ones, of course, was Joe Smith with Mm -hmm. the Minnesota Timberwolves. That wound up costing the Timberwolves draft picks. Uh, I believe Kevin McHale was suspended for a period of time for doing it. Um, That was a bad situation and one that could be big trouble for the Sixers, and for Daryl Morey. The other potential reason could be that Daryl Morey, you know, there was an understanding that if James Harden opted in, Daryl Morey would find a way to trade him. Um, That wouldn't get the Sixers in trouble with the league, but uh, I'd like to learn more about what that conversation may have been like. And look, I I can tell you, the 76ers have been trying to deal James Harden. They have engaged a number of teams, including the Clippers, about James Harden. They have found the market to be uh, soft at best. It is not a good market for James Harden Mm -hmm. right now. The teams that are interested, including the Clippers, have offered very little, in part because they know that the 76ers have virtually no leverage, in part because James Harden, who is either just turned 34 or is going to turn 34 at some point, uh, doesn't have the kind of game he used to have and is Mm -hmm. the same kind of player. And only has one year left in his contract. And if you yeah. are going to bring him back, you're going to have to bring him back at a big dollar figure. So there has not been a strong market for James Harden at all, which has led the Sixers to the conclusion that it's best for them to bring James Harden back, at least for the first part of next season. Obviously, James Harden has a problem with that. And uh, he chose now to voice those concerns. Now, James Harden, Rohan, is trying to thread the tightest of needles because he wants to find a way out of Philadelphia, but doing it in ways that he's done in years past. And this is the point where we note that James Harden 
when his career is over, should teach a seminar for the <laughs> at the NBA Players Union. Maybe it's an unpublicized seminar about how to get out of bad situations, at least situations that you don't want. Because he did it in Houston, he did it in Brooklyn, and now he's doing it again uh, in Philadelphia. Um, he can't do what he did in Houston and Brooklyn, which was, well, in Houston, mail it in for multiple weeks. And in Brooklyn, you know, submit a couple of games, including the last one, which was like the ultimate white flag, that game in Sacramento where he made like four shots in 30-something minutes. Uh, he can't do that because James Harden is also trying to convince teams that next summer at age 35, he's going to be worth a two- or three-year deal at top dollar. So he's trying to thread the tightest of needles. Uh, any thoughts on how he does it? <laughs> any thoughts on how this gets accomplished in a way that James Harden wants accomplished? It, that is the question. And the more I think about it, this, the more it feels like a mutually assured destruction type of situation. Because I think the more he acts this way, for better or for worse, I, I guess I shouldn't even use that phrase. I think it's for worse because I think teams are getting to the point where the juice is not worth the squeeze with James Harden. He might give you great regular season play, but I don't think teams are looking at him as the type of player that takes you over and brings you a championship at this point, considering his playoff struggles the last few years, the way he performed in that Boston series. He had two big games, but otherwise had some really, really ineffective moments and serious struggles in that series. I don't think teams are lining up to pay James Harden. Beyond that, you look at the teams with cap space next summer. None of them make sense for James Harden. The one team with cap space that was floated out this summer was Houston. I mean, credit to you, Mannix. You called this. You, you, were, you were willing to bet your career on the idea but he wasn't going back to Houston. Not only did he not go, they gave that money to Fred Van Vliet. They had max money. They said, let's give it to Fred Van Vliet instead. So James Harden, like you said, he used to thread the needle. His best, his only way to get that deal next summer is to be traded to a team that wants to keep him and has his bird rights. Because as a free agent, he's not going to get that money. I mean, I wrote this because I think you wrote the piece, correct me if I'm wrong, like the Sixers... Your your point is that the Sixers can't mess up this trade, right? Like they have to they have to kind of wait out on Harden. My thinking was, and I wrote this a couple weeks ago, I would trade Harden as soon as possible, if only not to do what this exact situation could possibly do to Joel Embiid. Because Embiid has hinted this summer that at at he's not necessarily committed to staying in Philadelphia his, his entire career if they're not able to put a championship team around him. I don't know that you want to put Embiid through another months-long circus that you did with Ben Simmons. Just because Embiid was able to handle it well the first time doesn't mean he should have to go through it again. This is going to sound crazy, but I keep saying it. Like, if I got Norm Powell and pieces back from the Clippers, if I'm Philly, I'd really consider doing that trade because I think I'm still competitive this year and I still have some of my caps from next year. So You... Think about that for a second, but I want to read this quote to you, Chris, because I think this is really interesting and I want to get your reaction to it because I would say over the last few years, I've heard from players around the league kind of off the record that, you know, I think Daryl's negotiating, negotiating style, his transaction style, while I think has been effective as a general manager, I think some players find it a bit grating. I know so many players around the league who are kind of very upset with the way the Carmelo Anthony situation ended in Houston, for example. This is a quote Chris Paul gave me on the record, by the way, and I think it's very relevant to the situation. I just, it's very funny to me, and I'm curious your reaction to it. This is what he said to me in 2019, the year he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
He said, after the reason, after the season, I reached out to the Rockets and said, hey, if you guys want to go in a different direction, let us know now. That way we can figure something out. They said, we're not trying to go to, in a different direction. Daryl asked me if I wanted to go to Oklahoma City. I said no. And he said, we won't trade you there because you chose to come to us from L.A. He doesn't owe me anything. But that's where the whole communication thing was. I, I do think that there is kind of a mounting, you know, uh, again, we're not privy to these conversations. That's Chris Paul's side of what happened, obviously. So take it with a grain of salt. But I just found that very relevant today and very interesting when Harden comes out and says Daryl Morey's a liar. Well, I don't look if, if Daryl is out there and use the Chris Paul, you reference Chris Paul, and if he's doing the same thing with James Harden, where he's telling him one thing and operating in a completely different way, that's a problem. That's something you shouldn't do. You should be transparent at all times with players. And in today's NBA, you can't commit to anything. You can't you can't say we're absolutely positively not going to do something because too much can change in an instant. And right. look, I reference I reference Danny Ainge all the time. I kind of view. NBA front offices through how he operated because I watched that up close for a number of years in Boston. And, you know, a GM doesn't owe a player anything. The player gets the contract. And because of the collective bargaining agreement, a player is uh, subject to being traded at any given time. Mm -hmm. What he's not subject to being is having his money taken away. It's a guaranteed contract uh, that he gets. Uh, So if you're going to trade Paul Pierce or Kevin Garnett or whoever, that's just the way it goes. You've got to do what's best for your team. And Daryl Morey, has to do what's best for his team. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think James Harden is counting on is this whole withholding services clause here, where he knows the Sixers don't want him beyond next season. They don't want him on the books. They want the cap flexibility that comes with the $35 <laughs> million. Dollars. Yeah. They want the $35 million James Harden is making next year to come off the books, and they want the nearly $40 million that Tobias Harris is making next year to come off the books. They want to go into next summer with $70-plus million in cap space so that they can either sign or acquire a player that fits better next to Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, which are two very good Building blocks. Joel Embiid, very much in his prime right now, will be for the next couple of years. Tyrese Maxey, not even hitting his prime yet, is still getting there. And there are a lot of people I talk to in the NBA that believe that with James Harden gone, Tyrese Maxey goes to another level, maybe an all-star level. So the Sixers don't want Harden beyond next year. And Harden may be counting on the Sixers not wanting to risk him sitting out, him not being a free agent next summer, and being back on their books uh, for one more year. But that... That feels like a long shot. Like, and what? If Harden's on the books for another year after not getting paid this season, he's going to be a free agent age 36. I don't really understand how that works for James Harden either. I, I don't I don't think that's a realistic possibility. It's not. Like, the, but, the but I'm that, looking yeah, at I'm yeah. trying to point out, I, I'm trying to point out what Harden's plays here are going to be. Because mm-hmm. if he shows yeah. up and pulls a Houston in Philadelphia, where he's kind of just going he through the motions. Puts on the fat suit. <laughs> puts on the fat suit, kind of goes through the motions. Meanwhile, I saw his agent uh, was out there saying Harden's in the best shape of his life and is going to be an MVP next year. <laughs> Take that for what it's worth. But he can't do that because he goes, yeah. he does that and goes into the summer of 2024. He's a mid-level exception guy, you know, because nobody's going to yep. want him. You know, Nobody's going to want him after he does that again. And he's also going to be a diminished version of himself. So this is a long way of kind of saying whatever the Sixers plan was before James Harden came out and said what he said about Daryl Morey. It has to be the exact same now. I don't think they change one bit. I don't think they should feel Mm. bullied by this. I think no matter how uncomfortable it gets for James Harden and the 76ers Come late September, they've got to deal with it. Because I think you've got to bet that James Harden, because he wants the money next year, is going to play to the best of his abilities. And you know what? I know everything is about you've got to have a perfect situation in order for a franchise to work. That didn't used to always be the case. You used to always have coaches that didn't like players. GMs didn't like coaches. Um, you know, it, it just happens that way sometimes. Daryl Moore is not around the team every day. He's not the head coach. He's not another player. He's a GM. 
travels with the team from time to time and operates out of the Sixers front office the rest of the time. So you can you can envision a scenario where Daryl's not around as much maybe as he used to be and the 76ers still work because I go back to what I believed you know, in the last couple of weeks. I've started to talk to scouts going into next season. The Sixers, along with Philadelphia, or I'm sorry, along with Milwaukee, Boston, in the Western Conference, Denver, a handful of other teams maybe, they're in the mix. You have a team with yeah. Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, who's going to get better. That supporting cast, you're in the mix. I think they've got to count on Harden playing to his very best and not feel bullied by his latest outburst, this time about Daryl Morey. I, I agree with what you're saying, and I, I think you have a point, like, as you said, there's a there's a level of friction that exists on all these teams already, right? The, like you said, there's not all not the Nuggets have not always been a perfect situation, and the idea that there was never any friction there at some point, you know, they traded. Remember, they traded Bones Highland in the middle of the season. Like even championship teams go through situations where maybe a guy is unhappy. Hey, the Seattle SuperSonics I, back in the day, n- nobody liked George Carl. Like nobody did. He coached the team. He had friction with Gary yeah. Payton. He had friction with Sean Kemp. Friction with all those guys. They still managed to succeed yeah. at a near championship level. I just think what makes this situation particularly delicate is Embiid on multiple fronts. One, he's dealing with the mounting pressure of he hasn't gotten past the second round. Combine that with the fact that he won the MVP this year finally, but then his chief rival goes on to win the championship. Um, whether he the the way that's played out so publicly. I think that's going to add some pressure to him. And then beyond that, you have kind of the ticking clock on his health where he now has a history of getting injured, unfortunately, almost seemingly every time he's in the postseason, that this is this is not like a, a normal star, a normal situation, quote unquote, that, that I think adds a layer of complexity to all this. And I keep going back to Philly, not to turn this into an Embiid versus Jokic thing. It's really not that, but... Let's say, like, you, if you really, really believe in Joel Embiid as the MVP, as the best player in basketball, and as you said, they also believe Maxi is going to take that leap up. Like, the Nuggets didn't have a quote-unquote second superstar. I mean, Jamal Murray was fantastic, played superstar level in the playoffs, no question about it, but he, he has never been uh, the consistently at the level that James Harden was when the Sixers acquired him, right, as this former MVP why not bet on Maxi and get surrounding pieces and let Embiid be Embiid? Mm. That, that's the way I would look at it if I was Daryl Morey. And listen, it's, it's much easier said than done to, to trade a guy like that for kind of quote-unquote spare parts or role players, but that's the model I'm looking at because the way the league is shaking out right now, we don't have we don't have these very top heavy teams. I mean, outside of Phoenix, which is the uh, complete opposite end of the spectrum, entirely top heavy, and I don't think anyone frankly believes in them right now. That that's how I would look at it if I were Daryl. Is we I kind of saw a team win with this model, and and I don't know that trying to wait for the perfect Harden trade a second time is worth the potential fallout that could happen with Embiid. You know what I, I found? You know, James Harden made these comments again, at a a promotional stop over in China. Um, At the end of his statement, he asked any other questions. And look, I don't know who was there. If there, I I doubt there were, you know, traditional media. (laughs) Like kids? But there were some people, I doubt there was traditional media that was there. But if there was, the follow-up would be, what did he lie about? And that's what I'm most interested in. I really am. Like, from an NBA perspective, I'd be interested in as well. You know, the NBA, 
you know, this is becoming a problem for the league. I mean, the NBA finally stood up and said something when Damian Lillard's agent was out there, you know, effectively confirming all the reporting that Lillard only wanted to play in Miami. Now you get James Harden publicly saying he'll never play for the 76ers as long as Daryl Morey is the general manager. A player under contract next year is not gonna, says he's not going to play uh, as long as, as the GM is still the GM of that team, saying he's a liar. Well, as soon as James Harden's back from his his tour, if I'm Adam Silver, if I'm you know uh, Joe Dumars, uh, the people involved in that those decisions in the front office, I'd want to sit down with James Harden. Say, hey, what did he lie about? Did he promise you a new deal? Well, let's talk about it. Were there text messages? Were there? I mean, the 76 has already got investigated for this crap. Like they, they've already, you know, yeah. this has already become a thing for them, a problem for them in the very I, I recent mean, past. For what it's worth, this was this was the speculation last summer when he took the discount. Of course discount. it was. Like, was why would not? he take the yeah. discount? James Harden before then yeah. had always taken the top dollar. He couldn't make it work in Oklahoma City because they offered him below market value. Goes to Houston and every single year he gets top dollar. The guy's made like a quarter of a billion dollars in his playing career just off, off salary alone. Like he doesn't take discounts. That, that was shocking. Like why would he, I mean, good for him. Like take less money. PJ Tucker comes on board. You give yourself a better chance to win. But that was out of that was unusual. That was out of character for James Harden and taking less money at this point. What do you make of the fact that, because I, I think you you know Daryl Morey better than I do. What do you make of the fact that these two have been joined at the hip for many years now? It's wild. And, it's you know, wild. The, it's... the hug. Remember the hug they shared when James Harden got off the airplane when he left Brooklyn? I, I, I'm pretty shocked that it's gotten to this point, man. Nobody, Genuinely. Nobody has empowered James Harden more in his career than Daryl Moore. He went out and traded for him, and then not only did he build an entire team around his talents and made him the focal point of that Rockets team, which was the right decision. It, it led to a level of success. I mean, they didn't win a championship, but they succeeded at a pretty high level. Uh, he also mm-hmm. paid him. Every single time it came around, he paid him. And then he goes out and gives up a whole bunch of draft picks and Ben Simmons, uh, to get uh, James Harden out of Brooklyn. And now, here we are, summer of 2023, and James Harden and Daryl Morey are no longer allies. They are now, that relationship is broken, fractured, however you want to frame it. And I think, look, I think Daryl Morey, to bring it full circle, he's got to stick by what he believes is best for the team. I mean, I, I think he's got to stop promising things if that's what he's doing, but he's got to stick by what's best for the team. And I, look, I disagree with you. I, I don't want Norman Powell. Not that Norman Powell's not a good player, but I, mm-hmm. I want the flexibility. I, I want it. Look, if they're going to throw Trey Mann and some inspiring contracts in that mix, I'd probably consider that. But I don't want Norman Powell's contract. I, I want Wh- I want to be, able to, to be able to maneuver and go out there and maybe mm-hmm. get a max level guy via trade to fit into uh, the cap space that fits alongside Maxi and fits alongside Embiid. So do you think the best move for them I'm genuinely asking. Do you think the best move for them moving forward with Harden is to make a trade that prioritizes flexibility next summer? Or do you think there's a trade out there for them that allows them to maybe still be a title? No, there's nothing. Like if you, there's nothing because, mostly because every team in the league with assets is not looking at that Sixers roster saying, we want James Harden. They're looking mm-hmm. at that Sixers roster saying, we hope this continues to implode so then we can go get Joel Embiid. Like the Knicks are holding on to all right. their, their assets for that. A handful of other teams are out there doing the exact same thing. Uh, n- nobody's going to solve this problem for the Sixers. Nobody's going to give them the kind of pieces they want to uh, to see them succeed to a point where Embiid's like, I'm cool. I'll stay here and I'll even resign here. My contract's up in a couple of years. No, nobody wants that. They want this to blow up in the 76ers' face so they can get Joel Embiid and 
I, I don't I just don't see how Norman Powell and some expiring contracts if that's even what's offered at this point. You know, there's been like kind of fresh reporting. It's like the Clippers really aren't offering much of anything, just like you know, expiring stuff, maybe some second round capital, whatever it may be. Uh, nothing that comes close to matching the potential productivity of James Harden. So I, again, I say you bring him back. And, and look, this this adds a new wrinkle to everything. It makes it potentially uglier a month, month and a half from now when training camps officially open. But I, I don't see any other solution. I mean, this is gonna this could be a tough year, and it could be one that angers Joel Embiid. But mm-hmm. I think Joel Embiid would be placated next summer if they use all this cap flexibility and go get him an elite shooting power forward to play alongside him or go get him an elite two guard or three man, a three and D guy to play alongside mm-hmm. him. I think the the potential versatility that this team has cap-wise, flexibility, I should say, that this team has cap-wise has to be the top priority because that's what's going to get them to a championship level. Has there been a more lose-lose trade in NBA history than the Ben Simmons for James Harden? I don't think so. Because this is the, the, the Nets this got is picks, potentially blown up like, two franchises. I mean, the Nets got picks. I guess that makes them kind of the winner in this situation, and we'll see if Simmons can come back and, and give them anything. But no, I mean... I mean, those two guys, it's just wild. Like Simmons, Simmons, at least you can say he's been hurt and, and there's been that problem. But James Harden, every time things don't go his way, he, he doesn't try to solve the problem. He tries to leave the problem. And that's, 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 not, that's not good. It's really, it's, I think it's really tarnished his legacy. Like he's a great player, one of the all-time great mm-hmm. scorers in this league. But, you know, the last, what, what is it now? Three years of his career, four years of his career dating back to you know, the end of his time in Houston. This is what he's going to be remembered for. Like when the going got tough, mm-hmm. James Harden got going as fast as humanly possible and kind of damaged some franchises mm-hmm. in the process. Franchises that probably could have gotten more for him if he just, you know, did things in a quieter way. You know, didn't make such a stink or make such a scene out of uh, his exit. All right, well, yeah, yeah. Ahead. yeah. Last word. I just want to say, no, just as someone who's, as I think, as pro player as they come and I enjoy the movement and don't mind it, it's just depressing, man. It's depressing to see it play out this way and to, like, frankly have seen him visibly quit on his last two teams and now do this, like you said, it's just, it just sucks. <laughs> it just sucks, man. There's no other way to uh, put it. It's, it's not fun to watch. No, it's not. All right. Well, we will be back if there is a similar situation involving Damian Lillard or other major <laughs> movement in the NBA uh, over the next couple of weeks. Until then, uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.